when we start businesses, we all dream of just having an army of people doing all the work for us and we just collect the check at the end of the month. Unfortunately, it rarely goes that way. And getting others to do your work is a long and tedious process, especially if you have no experience with it. So in today's episode, we will talk about the seven first things even beginners can easily outsource to get started with putting a team together. We will also share our stories, mistakes, and overall experiences with, with outsourcing these tasks. So let's get started. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm back with Mark, but Mark is actually back in Budapest, and I'm sure he's looking back forward to go back to Scotland. How's it going, Mark? It's going good. We're actually in Budapest, but we're in separate apartments because Gail said we can't record the podcast in the same room for some reason. So, yeah, I'm feeling a bit lonely right now. <laughs> First of all, both microphones would echo each other, which would be a pain in the ass. And second of all, it would just be weird. We've never done it. Um, <laughs> anyway... <laughs> That's not the topic. Uh, we'll talk about that later. But today we're talking about outsourcing, right? And oh, by the way, before we get started, I just wanted to thank everyone who joined the Shotgun Scope Blueprint. I hope you guys are enjoying the course. Uh, I know you are adding a few more lessons to the course, Mark. So I guess if people have bought it, these will be coming pretty soon. Uh, any update on that? This podcast going out on hopefully Wednesday the 22nd. Uh, we're a little bit late with it this week, but we are are doing it this week. But by the end of the week, by Friday the twenty fourth of May, the first new advanced lesson will be will be in the blueprints. One about using Scrapebox. It's a it's a huge lesson, so definitely want to check that that one out on on Friday. Look at the update log, and we'll we'll post in there once we've added it. All right, so that was just a quick update because a bunch of you guys bought the course, so I just want to let you guys know. Now, let's go back to the topic of today's episode, which is outsourcing. And yeah, outsourcing is one of these things that can be great or a huge pain in the ass. So do you want to just get us started on that, Mark? Yeah, I mean, we have had a sort of rocky up and down history, I guess, with outsourcing. It's one of these things that if you get it right, it's the only thing that you need to do to scale your business and make millions of dollars, really. If you don't do it, if you can't outsource, then you're going to get stuck. You as a single person, you only have so many hours in the day. There's only so much that you can do yourself. So if you can't master this this concept, master the the, the idea of outsourcing, then you're eventually going to, going to get stuck. It's also very, very tricky to do. It's something which we've struggled a lot with. Even simple things like what roles do you need to hire for? When should you hire? It's a really difficult thing to break down because us as entrepreneurs we like to do everything and that's actually one of the the skills of an entrepreneur is you can figure out how something new that you haven't done before works and kind of execute it reasonably well in a short space of time most people 90 percent of the people in in the world are not very good at doing that they tend to be more specialists so they have their one way of working thing that they do the type of work that they do and they'll do it really really well probably better than you or i could so it's kind of a, with outsourcing, it's about finding those people and putting them to work on the right things at the right time in the right place in your in your company. And it's a huge, huge challenge. We have bucked this up royally many, many, many times. We've been outsourcing for over 10 years now, and we have made a load of mistakes. We calculated, this was several years ago, we calculated it was like 300 
k or something we'd spent on like bad hires and stuff i would easily double that now i'm Either sure now. it's a lot more now yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know we've made loads of mistakes we've had anything that can go wrong we've experienced it we've had people cheat us steal from us defraud us try and steal our clients we've had blackmail us yeah like just really anything that can go wrong we've, we've experienced it i'll just not do any work that also happens that, that's people. the most common thing so i, I don't want to sort of scare anyone off with these stories and if you listen to this podcast we'll show you how to avoid falling into to most of these traps at least you know the flip side of it as well is that we have found some amazing talent through outsourcing and we have some some really good people work for us now and in the past over the years that have contributed massively to to the success of this business and previous businesses we've we've worked on and we as i said before we couldn't do it all all alone so today we're going to talk about like what's the combination of all that experience what's working for us now how do we break down the roles how do we think you should break down the roles who should you hire where can you find them and how can you identify someone who's going to be a superstar in, in, in that role? What are the key things to, to look for? Because you don't want to be hiring average people. And talking about average people, just before we start, I want to give a little bit of a warning about what I call VA culture, VA virtual assistant. A lot of people who are in on the online marketing space, when they sort of learn that you can hire a Filipino VA who speaks reasonably good English and can use a computer all right for like two bucks an hour or something, they're like, oh my God, I got to hire a VA. And they they get into this idea of like, just it, it's just kind of cool to have someone that you can like get to do meaningless stuff that you don't want to do. And it's the lowest level of outsourcing kind of like, you know, it's kind of like, oh, I've ticked that box. I've outsourced. It. Yeah. But the idea of it is focused on the price and getting like a generalist that, that can do anything or that's the idea. In our experience, they can rarely do things well. I know other people have had better experiences, but what I will say when it comes to hiring, and this is kind of the premise of this podcast really is that. For us, what works is specialization. So break down the roles into specialist tasks and hire someone who's really good at doing those kind of tasks instead of looking for a magical unicorn that's going to do it all for you and run your business for $2 an hour. Because anyone that can do all of these things, most likely they have their own authority site anyway. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard. I mean, you know, it's like you you would not realize in how many roles you can split your own role. Like, if you take like all the stuff I've done for our sites, it's like, man, I've done the tech, I've done design, I've done like writing, editing, etc. It's like you can just like split out into like ten people's role. But it's actually, especially because outsourcing is not really a full time thing, so it's, it just makes no sense to try to give all these things to one person because you pay per hour anyway. Some roles will cost more than others, but for a good reason. Like you don't want to hire a $2 an hour developer. <laughs> that would be uh, suicidal. Yeah, it's like you can really like, it, it's way more modular than people. Like we have this this crazy modular system and people, they still think in terms of like jobs. And no, you can have, we have so many like freelancers working two hours, three hours per week for us or something. 
Um, but we have a lot of them. Like the person editing this podcast, for example, that takes away all the mm, uh, uh, we say, etc. which is why we perform a lot better on the podcast than live talking sometimes. sometimes. He just does that for us, but he's he's just great. So that's a, that's a good example of the kind of stuff that you need to consider. And you need to not be afraid to have like 10 people working for you. Probably they all work like two hours a week for you. It's only a half-time job, actually, in terms of cost. Should we just go into the different tasks that we would outsource? Yeah, so we've broken this down into, I think, seven different tasks that, that we've we've kind of yeah. come up with. I think the first one takes a lot of time for new site owners. It's kind of like general site maintenance and activities. So things like content uploading, fixing, you know, like broken links, broken images, uh, doing basic on-page addition for posts, that kind of stuff. So this... Especially content uploading is, is like kind of a complaint that we see often for beginners or people who just get started with that. And before we started, we actually I actually used to do most of these things. Uh, that was great because it's like it taught me a lot of tips and tricks. I'm kind of the guy that just does everything on his own at the beginning. It definitely like the guy that Mark uh, mentioned at the beginning. It's good because it allows me to figure out a lot of things that um, maybe low-level people would not necessarily figure out. But eventually, like my mistake was to actually let it go way too late most of the time. And so like this was the case, etc. We have had several people do upload. We actually have two different people that do upload for us right now. So we have one guy who is a full-time employee in Hungary, and we actually have my fiance who does some uploading as well and uh and just builds pages, etc. She's actually built every page on Ontario Hacker and several sites we've sold, etc. So but yeah, it's something that we used to do. But like, we actually also hired someone who does the same job. Like the podcast is uploaded by someone who is Hungarian employee of ours. But you can actually find people on Upwork provided they know. So if you're using a page builder, they should know your page builder. And you should ask them for samples of the page builders that, like samples of pages they built with the page builder you're using. We use Elementor now. We used to use Thrive Architect. Regardless, I would literally put in the job, like you need to know Thrive Architect or you need to know Elementor or you need to be good at Gutenberg. I wouldn't. You wouldn't? I, I, I gotta say, I, I wouldn't do that. No, I think it's very challenging to find someone who knows Drive Architect or, or Elementor. I remember looking for this when uh, back on Health Ambition days, and uh, I, I really struggled to find someone who had any Drive Architect experience. But these things are a lot more popular now. If you actually do a search for freelancer, you find hundreds of people with Drive Architect in their profile on Upwork now, actually. Uh, so it's a, and Elementor has like a million plus installs now. So it's something that's fairly well, like page builders in general as a market have progressed enough so that you can find people that have experience now. Another place where you, where I would consider hiring if you want like complex pages built, et cetera, is actually on the group, on the Facebook groups for these things. You can go and say, Hey, I'm looking for someone that has experience with Elementor or on the Elementor group. Or you can say, I'm looking for someone with experience with Thrive Architect on the, there's a Thrive group as well or whatever other page builder using Beaver Builder or something like that. And you you will be able, like, there's a lot of people who are actually, like, VA level hanging out on these things or, like, really low-level designers, etc. But just to put, like, basic pages together, not design your website, but to put basic pages together, these people can be good enough and they can be good value for money. I would say then I would probably split this role into, like, one specifically for uploading content and then another one for, like, doing other kind of general VA type tasks on the on the site. Yeah, but like the person that uploads the content is also the person that's going to like fix images or fix broken links, etc. Right? 
it's kind of the same person. Like if, if it's other tasks, like more like high level, site level maintenance, then it's going to be your technical person. But if it's a single page, usually it's going to be the person that uploads the content. That's usually, that's how we break it down actually for the sites. How we pay people? I mean, some people like to pay per page done. We tend to pay people per hour, mostly because our content varies enough so that like price per page is just not fair one way or another. Either we have like a really long article that requires custom formatting and takes a lot of time, or we have something really quick and simple where we would just be overpaying if we were paying quite well. So usually what we do is we just pay people per hour uh, or, per, or per day or per month if we hire people full-time or something like that. And the kind of people you're looking for for these things is attention to detail. So when you're hiring them, by default, when I hire people at this point, it's like I mostly judge them on the samples they send me and I look for reasons not to hire them and I look for like attention to detail. So like tiny things like does the site look good on, does the page look good on mobile, for example. Like I would right click, click inspect and then change to mobile, like to like an iPhone or something on Chrome just to see what the page looks like on mobile. Have they, have they looked at that? Are the images the right size or are they like too big? Uh, like what is the file name of the image, that kind of stuff. So I would look at, at these tiny things and that's how I would judge people and people who do that well, they're the people that we would hire for these things. So yeah, anyone can do this stuff. They need to be quite smart and have attention to detail and they need to be able to deal with a decent level of grind as well because you know sometimes you know we'd come back to these people with like 100 articles to upload and well, it's kind of a repetitive job. So they need to be able to deal with that and to not like feel unhappy about that because otherwise that's when the attention to detail goes down. So that's what I want to say about uh, these kind of people. These are the people that deal with one page on your site at a time. Then we'll talk about the technical people that deal with like site level stuff a little bit after. The next thing to outsource, I would say, is graphic design. Graphic design, uh, once again, I used to do this stuff, actually. The first version of Atari Hacker, I did like all the graphics with the little character and everything. About the, I didn't draw them, about the stock image. But like the colors, the everything, like I did all of that in the first version. And on most of our sites, I did that too, actually. So the tasks include doing featured images, doing illustrations, doing logos, or any kind of graphical element you need, like social media images, or I don't know, like emails, I don't know, whatever you need that is an image, basically, this person should be doing, you could have two. So that's a role that you can actually split into because illustration is different from graphic design. So if you need custom illustrations, it's often more expensive. And um, and so one way to like be cost efficient is to have a graphic designer that's just like a guy that just does Photoshop stuff and a guy that can do illustrations that will often cost more money and then just like use the graphic designer only for like the stuff that's the most basic and then when you need custom illustration you use the more expensive guy we actually went through a lot of designers we had full-time designers we had part-time designers we did all of that we had designers we disagreed with all the time I had, we had a designer at some point that i hired from a facebook group that i fired 48 hours later i just couldn't handle it anymore it was so you know you'll make these kind of mistakes one thing that's interesting about designers is uh and, and really anyone who's very creative is they, they think very differently than someone like me who's quite sort of analytical and structured. And, and they have to, to be a good designer, I guess, um, to have that sort of level of, of creativity. So I think one of the mistakes I made in the past was looking for someone who was like super on point with deadlines and just like really, really good at that kind of side of things to the detriment of actually the, the, the design skills. And I think this is one of those areas where, okay, you don't want someone who's super late and never going to deliver stuff on time. 
But this is the one area I'd, I'd say where I'm, I'm more willing to let something go in the sense of in, in the hope of getting it done better rather than sort of chasing someone if they're five minutes late with a with a logo design or something like that. Designers are, are typically really late with stuff. Like it's just very flexible deadline. It's something that's going to happen all the what, time. What I will say on the, the flip side of that is the, the, the designer who we have at the moment who I'm super happy with, one of the things I, I really like about him is that we often have when we like about a launch or some like new blog post going up and there's something like urgent that needs to be done. This guy we have will jump on it and will will like really push hard if there's like yeah. a, a big deadline like that. So we've we've kind of lucked out quite well with that. And I, th- I think when we get into talk about some of the sort of agencies and services, productized services, that's that's kind of one of the areas that they fall down with a little bit. Yeah. So actually, the guy we use now, he's on Upwork. So we work with him through Upwork, and he's pretty good. I think, how much do we pay per hour? Uh, 15 like, bucks or something, 20 bucks. Yeah, something. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm checking now, actually. Something like that. It's, like, it's, it's not the cheapest, but it's, for what we get, it's good. It's a, he's a good designer. There's a lot of designers on Upwork for $10 and under who are, there's thousands of them who are just not very good. Then there's this sort of like not many in the, 15 to 30 dollar an hour range and then there seems to be quite a lot who are like you know 60 80 90 bucks an hour and i just like not very cost effective unless you're you know doing some fancy website design for a big company or something i think that the sweet spot there is really the the level we're we're at but it can be quite challenging to find find people there just because not that many of them yeah it does take time i'm actually checking the hourly right now i think 20 dollars an hour we pay so it's like, it's mid-range, but like, if you get the cheap ones, you, you, you'll also feel it. I mean, you can find really cheap ones, but they don't stay cheap for very long if they're, if they're good. So we use Upwork, but there's several places to find designers, actually. So I'm going to give you several websites where you can go. So the, the first one is Dribble, D-R-I-B-B-B-L-E, the triple B, dot com. It's kind of like a portfolio website, so you can find a lot of, like, you can actually go through categories of like, you know, web design or logos or something like that. And like classified by style or find like it's kind of a social network people upvote these things etc and designers put their contact details there so you can actually contact them and find them usually the designers that do well on dribble they are not the cheapest but if you want someone really good it's a really good place to go uh, behance is also the same as dribble b-e-h-a-n-c-e.com uh, same principle so this is good upwork like we do another place is fiverr the previous designer we used it was i actually found him on fiverr so that is a good place to find that. And then the alternative to all of this, where this is kind of like a lose, no structure thing. Like, I mean, we pay per hour right now, is to use productized services. So products like Design Pickle, for example, designpickle.com, I think, I can't remember, it's like $390 or something. I mean, they have different tiers. And they do like unlimited graphic design, but one at a time. So the bottleneck is just how many projects people can work on at once. I'm actually opening the pricing right now. So the standard is, uh, let's check. 75, $399 per month, so $400 per month. And then, yeah, they, they can do one thing at a time, but it's unlimited, unlimited revision. Basically, the bottleneck is how many things they can work on. Like, there's pretty popular sites working with them. So, like, uh, WPCrafter.com uh, uses them for, like, thumbnails, etc. It's not very good for urgency, but if you're not, like, if you're doing a pure SEO game, it's not necessarily a bad deal provided you have enough volume to give them a task at all times once you start having dead times with these kind of services that's when you are essentially losing and so you want to have enough flow of content so these people just 
have stuff to do basically. What we look for is people with good communication because just talking about like graphic stuff, etc. you need to describe, you need to use adjectives and so on. And people who don't have a good enough level of English are going to struggle with that. And as a result, you're going to waste a lot of time. So even if they cost less per hour, you actually end up spending more money and you become frustrated because you're wasting your own time on this. So good English is very important. Someone that just designs in a style that you're happy with, because like the designers, they all have their different styles and some of them you like their style, some of them you will not like their style. So you want someone that's like that. And I guess someone that's fast enough and to for your for your business. So it depends. Like for us, when we do launches on a toy hacker, etc., like a lot of stuff is like very time sensitive. Well, for when we run like pure SEO sites, for example, not really time sensitive. I'd rather get a better price. So it kind of depends on what you need here. Uh, but that's what we're looking for in terms of graphic design. So now we're going to talk about tech support. So tech support, it's fixing the site when it's broken. Let's say something goes down something. Fixing anything that's like site level. So like as opposed to the uploaders that fix things on page level. Creating custom CSS, creating custom functions, creating mini plugins if you need some functions that you can't find in a commercial plugin. Fixing incompatibilities, you know, com plugin conflicts, the DNS goes down, whatever it is that you have that could bring your website down and cause you to not make money. These people, they're here to take care of that. And so it's kind of like, at the beginning, it's usually an emergency job. But like, as you grow your business, you will have more and more custom jobs that you need that are like projects. And these people will be more and more part of your process. We are using a company called MemberFix now. We also have a dev. So MemberFix is, a, is kind of like design pickle for tech support. And we also have a dev on call as well, because as we said, these kind of services, they're not exactly the best for like emergency. So we also have a dev that we use on call to kind of like has a higher level of vision of the business. So like um, that's, we kind of use these two things together. The way for you to find people, and I think at the beginning, the best thing is actually to use these kind of like services, like these kind of like productized services. So there's, a, there's one that I think has had good reviews from the people I've talked to. I haven't tried it myself, but it has had good review. It's wpfixit.com, sorry. They have a premium general support WordPress thing where you can either have like one support ticket for $39 and then just go and fix your stuff. Or I think you can subscribe to them, just get like a monthly fee and then they just go and fix stuff on your website when you need it. So that's the kind of stuff we start with at the beginning when you have a really low volume of stuff. And then when you get more volume, then, then that's when I would probably graduate to like Upwork or these kind of places to take care of your stuff. Like basically build a relationship with someone that knows your website, not getting a random agent that doesn't know your website every time. For small volume, it's okay. For bigger volume, it's better to get someone that knows your stuff, basically. What to look for for these people? The people that know the tools you already work with. So, you know, I mentioned page builders for uh, the uploaders, but like in this case, that can be most of your tech stack. So for us, you know, like the email marketing tools we use or like... People who know Zapier is very important for us. People who know how to use G Suite is quite important for us. This kind of stuff, like if they know already the tools, it's all they're smart enough to actually pick it up. That is quite important for us. Uh, high attention to detail. Very often these, these bugs and issues you will have, they're just tiny things. Uh, literally, it's like one setting in one tool that will just break everything or something. And overall, just experience. So that's basically what we're looking for. Start with a kind of like a productized service and then eventually graduate to someone who you can build a longer term relationship that you can find on Upwork. I think the key with hiring someone technical, if you are not technical yourself, 
is you need to be sure that they know what they're doing. There are plenty of people out there that really don't know what they're doing who will advertise on Upwork and various other places, and it can be really catastrophic. So by going to one of the productized services, you have a sort of level of assurance that the people, not always, but generally are are pretty on it. After that, you know, if you're going for someone like hiring your own dev to to work so sort of freelance for to, to sort of like jump on things when when needed, if you're not technical yourself, you can uh, ask maybe a friend who is, or you can even hire someone who's like you know really you know is on it has like amazing feedback, who's like maybe a bit more expensive, and have that person interview the person you want to hire and make sure that they you know test them, make sure that they know what they're doing. So that's a sort of hacky way to to check and verify that. Yeah, we have uh, friends who are like really technical that we can ask advice to. And it's it's nice to align with these kind of people. That's kind of the point of like going to real life events on like, you know, tech, startup, whatever, and make friends with these people because they can help you with that, actually. Do you want to pick the next one? Sure. So the next one is content creation, which is obviously writing content for your site, updating content, blog posts, all like, you know, fun stuff. And basically, <laughs> basically each of our, sites has a slightly different process for this the way we hire on authority hacker that the kind of people we look for there tends to be a bit more a lot more high-end than you know some of our our demo sites that you may have seen if you've you've, you've taken our, our courses which is more kind of looking for value in, in in those situations it really depends kind of like where you want to pitch this and like where you look and what kind of writer you 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 sort of aim to to hire I mean, something that that we've tried to do a lot and which especially an authority hacker, Gail says has been working really well lately is building really detailed content briefs. We use Dynalist to do it, the same tool we sort of use to plan out our, our podcast as we talked on a, a recent episode about it. And it's basically the premise is to give a, a very detailed bullet point brief to the writer of what you want covered in the article so that the result you get is very much aligned to what you what you want. What can often happen if you're how we used to do it, not gonna lie on, on health ambition many years ago was we would just sort of say, oh here's 20 keywords, go write these articles, here's the the word count limits. And so away you go. And you know, what do you expect when you 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 do that for quite a while with the same writer, you know, content quality is going to deteriorate. The key with writers actually is to make sure that content quality is maintained over time. So you have to check them and you have to like really be on it. Otherwise it will it will just naturally deteriorate in, in our experience at least. It's one of these things where you think you fixed it and then you look at something else and you come back and you're like, oh fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In terms of where to find good writers, you can start by content writing agencies. You you kind of have a level of assurance that they're they're gonna be good. In there, you know, a couple that that we have worked with in the past would be Word Agents and Sashat Writers. A, I think Sashat Digital now it's called. We'll, we'll put a link in the lesson description either way. But th- there's been sort of like pretty consistent. We obviously like to hire our own writers as well, and the problogger.com jobs board has been a really good source of of applicants there. I think one job we had 650 applicants for. So, you know, you be prepared for, for quite a, a few applicants. That's paying for a sponsored You do have yeah. to pay for, for it. So I think it's 75 bucks or 150 bucks, something like that. Um, if you, depending on if it's a normal or featured listing. So, but it, it's really, really good source of writers. And the other one is Upwork. 
Many people discount Upwork for hiring writers because it's not really built well for it. Because with, with Upwork, you have to hire people based on per hour or per contract. So it ends up being like, and with writers, you ideally want to pay them per word because you know you have different length articles. So it gets a bit sort of fiddly with Upwork, but we've actually found some really good writers on Upwork as well, and it's free to advertise. So don't discount that just because it doesn't seem like the natural place for it. In terms of what to look for, topic expertise is, is number one. Um, don't hire a sort of SEO generalist writer who can knock up uh, an article about anything. You want someone who just writes about their chosen topic because they really know it well. That makes a huge difference. And tone and and the, these kind of things are also play into it depending on how you position your site. On Authority Hacker, for example, we have a very sort of casual tone in our writing. It's often, you know, one sentence paragraphs. Yeah. Very, very casual in the case yeah. of Lewis. Yeah. And, uh, and and so, you know, that, that sort of plays into like who you hire and stuff. It, you know, a lot will depend on, on your niche really as, as well. I mean, I did also like low time consumption. Like some people require, I mean, that, I guess that, that applies to most hires, but like the amount of time people will consume from you is going to vary widely depending on their personality and just how confident they are with the job. And the number one thing that you will hate about outsourcing is how much time people take from you when you're trying to do meaningful stuff and for them to do a basic task, it just sucks your time. And so like for writers, but also for every other hire, uh, it's something that you, it's really hard to screen for before people start working for you. That's why I'm always like the way I hire people is always by like giving them a, a test task. Like I really judge people on what they do, not what they say. So like I judge their samples, I give them test tasks, paid ones, and then just I decide but like, because that's one of these things that I find very, very difficult to screen for in interviews, but some people will really just suck your time for really basic stuff. And these people are the people you don't want in your business. This is the what will make you hate outsourcing, but some like but also you need to not be mistaken. People, everyone at the beginning will need a, a degree of assistance. It doesn't mean that if people ask you stuff, it's bad. It just means that after you've explained a concept at least twice or something, if people still need the same amount of time for the same task, then there's a problem. If they ask about something else, then there's no problem. It's normal. You need to also train them on the job. So it's a balance to find. It's something that you will also learn a lot with experience. But for writers, for me, especially because we build, you know, when we build an editorial team, writers, they're the most frequent job. There's just a lot of them. So if they start, if one of them just starts taking a lot of time from me, it's just, it's just horrible, basically. So that's something to look out for. Now, I guess the logical succession to writers is edition. You can outsource editing as well. It's essentially taking the article that the writers submit and make them publishable, make them ready to post on the site, which you would assume that writers are able to do that, but you need someone in between. That's either going to be you or that's going to be someone else. It's going to be like fixing the tone, for example. The way I think about it is an editor is there to stop you publishing shit content. Yeah, it's the counterpower to writers. So writers, their incentive is to push as many words as possible and they get paid for that. And then you pay your editor to, like, you punish your editor for publishing terrible content so that they push back on writers, and then they push back on each other, and then you have an outsourced content process that produces high-quality content. That's the idea behind that, and that's why you need that step of addition, because otherwise you're just going to be pushing words, and nobody's going to stop it, and it's going to be shit. Yeah, the editor fixes the tone of the article, it gives feedback to the writers, they just try to work together to do that, and they're the counterpower to them in general. 
we have had editors for pretty much every single site except Autority Hacker. I still do Autority Hacker right now. It's just something that we haven't been able to find someone that we trust enough on Autority Hacker yet. But for all the other sites, we have done it, including the site we sold, including other sites that we're still running, etc. We have someone that we can just go to. And that is that person that pushes back. Where we find people is usually by either promoting excellent writers. So if, if people have been doing really well at creating content, they need a little bit of feedback, or even they just came up with cool things in the content. You see that they're creative and they're proactive on these things. They're the people that are primed to be promoted as editor. Or you can just hire them on Upwork or even ProBlogger if you want. You can put a, a, a job offer for like an editor. You want to make sure that they are a topic expert as well. So they should really be able to write the content themselves to understand it. You'll find a lot of editors who are just, you know, checking the spelling and grammar and kind of like throwing it out there. That's not going to stop shit content going up on your site. They need to have a sort of critical sense around the topic and like how it's going to convey to the the user when they read it. Yeah. So what the, like basically... What you need to look for is people with excellent grammar, excellent like style of writing, etc., and experts in editorial usually, and expertise in the topic. That's that's what you're looking for. How do we pay them actually? How do we pay the, the editors? I'm, I'm not even sure because we've been to yeah. So we just pay them per hour. Some people do pay them per word edited, but I guess it's not exactly like that's giving that's paying people on the same model as you pay writers, which is a bad idea because they're supposed to be the counterpart to writers. Do you want to talk about link building? Link building is one of these things that a lot of people will try and hire someone, like one person to do do link building for my site. And usually, not always, but usually that that fails. It's one of those things where you're looking for someone who can do many different types of, of tasks from data analysis to, you know, A-B testing to writing outreach messages to negotiation, all that kind of stuff. It, it, it requires a very like many different skill sets. So the best way to approach it is to break down the different subtasks of link building and hire people who are good at each of those. So that can be hire a data analysis person to to do all the prospecting, building your prospect list. You might want to hire some kind of copy editor to write some outreach templates. You might want to hire uh, someone who's you know really good a people person to do your kind of negotiation type type stuff. That's generally the three types of roles that, that, that we found really important for, for it and how, how we would sort of break it down. We did actually get really lucky and find someone who can, can do it all, but I wouldn't suggest kind of trying, or I mean, you, by all means, try and do it, but don't expect it's going to happen because there aren't that many people who, who can do it. The other thing I would say about link building is that try and avoid hiring people who are already or claim to be link builders already i've yet to find someone i mean don't get me wrong there are good people out there but i've yet to find someone on any like upwork or anywhere like that who was actually a good link builder and you know positioned themselves as, as a link builder there they tend to have kind of use outdated tactics so i would i would avoid that and instead just hire smart people and train them up uh, link building is not rocket science you break it down have a good system you can, you can train up smart people in, in, in pretty short space of time for that. Yeah, and so the last task that you can outsource quite easily is uh, market monitoring. So we've talked a lot about like how we do keyword research, you know, looking at your competitors, what's working for them, for links, for traffic, all that stuff. 
But keeping on top of what they're doing can take a lot of time, especially if you have a big list of competitors. For us, you know, for some sites, we have like 400 competitors plus lists. So it's like, it's a lot of people to look at. And so like kind of keeping on top of like, you know, what is their most linked to URLs? What is their top content? What is the, the content that is growing the fastest right now for that? All this stuff, we actually pass it on to our staff as well. And something that's not super hard to outsource and can save you a lot of time, especially if you have like a pretty extensive content production process because you need to come up with a lot of ideas for content and this kind of stuff is going to help a lot. Uh, so I've used to do that and I have outsourced it to uh, the 10 people that actually do our content uploading and like single page and on page stuff. So uh, that would be actually my fiance and this guy that we hired in Hungary. Uh, they both actually do that. And uh, you can essentially find people, anyone that can use Ahrefs in that case can do that. So you could either find them on Upwork. A lot of people uh, can do that on Upwork. Or you can find people from Facebook groups or that kind of stuff as well. That is not something that's very difficult, provided you're not afraid to share your niche because obviously these people will see that. So that's basically another one that's like an easy outsource. can save you a lot of time. Then you pick up that data, you just do your queue research from it really quickly, and it queue research becomes something like 10 times faster. 10 times faster. So that's basically it. So that's it for the seven things that you can outsource first. I'm going to make a recap of all of them. So it's going to be general site maintenance and activities like content uploading, graphic design, there's going to be tech support, there is content creation, there's content edition, link building, and market monitoring. If you're able to outsource all of that, and that's the, I would say these are the basic roles that you can outsource for at the beginning, already your business is going to look a lot more like an actual business and not just a one-man show. You don't have to have a fully automated team just to start. Uh, you should just, just pick one of these things and try to make it happen. Content is often the one people do first. And yeah, that's basically anything else you want to say in the conclusion? Yeah, I just say when it comes to hiring, don't be afraid to say no. I mean, you're, you're looking, you should be actively looking for reasons to reject people. The, there's nothing worse. The only thing worse than not hiring someone is hiring someone who sucks. Because it's gonna, it's gonna, it's it's gonna really cause problems, and it will affect like other members of your team and your own morale and all that kind of stuff. So really, do at all costs avoid hiring someone who's who's not good. Yeah, so that's basically it for this podcast, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. If you enjoy the outsourcing stuff, just uh, I don't know, put a heart on. SoundCloud, for example, you can you can like the episode there or something, uh, just so we get an idea of what if you want us to talk about outsourcing a little bit more and how we do these things if you enjoyed this episode in general you can also subscribe we're on itunes we're on spotify we're on soundcloud we are on google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere so just subscribe to your favorite podcast platform and so you don't miss the next episodes thank you for listening thank you everyone and we will see you next week have a good week Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.